Welcome to episode 14 of Cartel Conversations, the podcast of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel. I'm your host, Tom Conboy. My co-host, Ian, he's feeling a bit under the weather this evening, so I'm going to be hosting this solo tonight. And we're going to be speaking with a fellow founding member of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel. His name is Ed Traxler, and we're going to be talking about 3D printing. So stay tuned. Joining us tonight is Ed Traxler. Uh, Ed is one of our founding members of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel. And I know that many model railroaders uh, know who you are, Ed. But for those who are listening who may not know you, uh, could you tell our listeners something about yourself and your model railroading background? Well, I'm, uh, I'm retired from the Army. Unlike a lot of people who, when they're interviewed about the model railroading, you hear these stories about, you know, Lionel trains and four-bait layouts and all that. And I never had any of that. Not, not a bit. I got interested in model railroading somewhere in the mid-80s. I really can't even remember whether it crept on me or up on me or whatever. I was living in, in Texas and I started going around this model railroad hobby shop. Maybe I was just walking by it. I don't remember. I, I had built, I had done things like building, uh, you know, armor models and model cars and all that. Mm-hmm. For six months there, after quitting my job, I was I was bagging groceries at a HEV grocery store and going to college. And they cut my hours, so I was, I was offered a job at the hobby shop to actually run it. So for about six months, it's the best job I ever had. Wow, that sounds and, uh, cool. It was, mm-hmm. it was a model railroad hobby shop that made no money, but that was fine. But there was a layout, in-progress layout when the owner left, the original owner. I would go to work two hours early and stay three, four hours after closing because I don't put a cotton live there. It was like I got to order from wholesalers. I got to sell to people, talk model railroading, and build, work on a layout. And that was work, in quote. Anyway... Nothing more. Did I? I did things like I built a, a, a small diorama, we talk, piece of track with a locomotive on it, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. In 1987, I went back in the Army. I'd been out for 15 years. And so for the next 15 years or 16 years, I, I had no model railroading because I was doing Army stuff. Retired in 2006. And about 2010, somehow I got involved with some, uh, a friend. He was uh, wanting to start an OM30 model railroading. Uh, modular group. We took some modules to the narrow gauge convention in 2011. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And when I got back, it was such a hassle that I put them up on the wall as a, the the base from a layout. So I had a I have a little, but it's like eight foot by ten foot. Well, it's not micro. It's not giant. And I said it's eight foot by uh, uh, ten foot L. Yeah. And that's been my layout, which I've been using to learn how to model railroads since I didn't have prior. Uh, experience. Yeah, and our listeners can't see it, but we have uh, on our video call here, he actually has for his uh, background screen, uh, you can see that uh, layout and all the work he's done since then uh, behind him. So it's uh, that really is uh, inspiring. And of course, it's not a micro layout, but it's it's not a large layout either. It's a, it's a small layout uh, that you have there in your room. Yeah, I, I, I tell people it's a operating diorama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but boy, it's a spectacular work that you've done on that. Uh, one of the things is a lot of your structures on there are actually uh, cardstock uh, yes. structures. Yes. And it's amazing. I, I still look at that and, and I know which ones they are because I remember you building them and, you know, you're sharing information about it. But the the casual observer would never even notice it. And, of course, I know you put other textures and things on as well, but they're, you know, they're 
they're still the uh, paper structures, and well, they look good. You use what works. Even brick, beyond about 18 inches, it actually looks better than a lot of plastic brick structures, simply because it's already got the colors built into the graphic, right? Yeah, uh, and it has a, it still has that 3D quality, but there's a, it's almost, boy, I don't know how to describe it. Sometimes, like the plastic, now, some of the laser cut, like I've got a Monster Model Works a freight uh, house that, that looks, you know, it's really good. But some of the plastic kits, it, it has a... I hate to use the term cartoonish, but, you know, unless you really weather it well and paint it well, it really, you can look at it and you say, that's plastic. But those cardstock ones, it's hard to tell that it's a 2D flat surface. Hey, Ed, uh, one of the reasons why Ian and I wanted to have you on today is because, you know, you were speaking about 3D printing. I know that there's an application for that, especially with uh, micro layouts. Could you give us a basic overview of 3D design and printing? There are multiple types of 3D printers. The part of that is because of uh, of patents. And so somebody has to keep coming up with new ways to do stuff so they don't pay through the nose for somebody else's design. Uh, but currently for your the hobbyist, there is either a, a, a filament printer or a, a resin printer. That's just the main one. It's just the exact, you know, the exact design or how the exact 3D resin printer works can depend on the brand and they're all competing and they got different ways to do it, but it's, it's basically the same. You're, what kind do you have? I have both of them. Oh, you have both. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Your filament printer is the easiest thing. Everybody has a glue gun. You put the little stick in the back of the gun, you turn it on. Right. That's all a filament printer is. There's a spool of uh, filament. It's a plastic. As you can imagine, there's a thing in the world, all kinds of different plastic. And basically what it does, there's a little head. It's a geared drive, at least on some of them. And what it does, it, it pulls the uh, the filament. And this looks like a, uh, to explain what the filament is, there are people who have actually used fishing line to print. Yeah, that's what it always made me think of when I would see those in uh, like Micromark and stuff like that. <laughs> there's actually been, somebody can can actually, has used, it's, it's, it's almost it's like a heavy fishing line. Anyway, it's like something okay. yeah. you would like, I don't know, sea bass or whatever, whatever, the, a big fish, right? Was it 0.175 millimeters? I can't remember. Anyway, it's, um, it's, and it's all it's doing. It's, all it's doing is melting the plastic and it squirts out a little nozzle. The head moves back and forth. And the easiest way to explain it for those that they think it's magic is imagine you're going to print a pyramid. That pyramid is an inch square on the base and an inch tall, okay? There's a program called, uh, it's a uh, uh, it's slicer. And what it does, it slices from the top to the bottom. The thickness of the slices, the thicker the slice, the uh, more stair-stepping you will have, right? Yes. Because it's like, a, it's like a, a pyramid without the facing on it. It's just uh, the steps you know, on, the, on the side. Right. The thinner the layers, the better it looks, the longer it takes. If you go to a 0.4 millimeter layer thickness, if you go to 0.2, it's going to take twice as long. But I guess the, is the quality better, though, if you go with the uh, the finer uh, printing then? Yes, but a, a good example being, uh, I did some HO uh, jersey barriers. You know what those are, the mm -hmm. big cement things that you, don't, you run your car into, right? So if I did like, let's say 10 of them, we're talking about a 20-foot in HO, what's that? That's um, Oh, my, don't make me do math tonight. <laughs> But 20, it'd be four inches in, in, in O scales, four inches because it's a quarter inch per foot, right? So uh, it'll be five inches. 
So you're about two and a half inches on an HO for a, a, a 20 foot. If you do like a, a, a 10 of them or 12 of them, it's going to take like 12 hours to print. Wow. Does that thing get hot when it prints or is it, I mean, can it print that long or is it uh, something that you got to do that in stages? No, no. It's In fact, it, it, it is hot. It actually got a heated bed. Okay. Uh, okay. It's up like 170 degrees or something oh like that. Oh, my. Do you have to put uh, ventilation on it to vent it out, or is it just uh, dissipate in the room? It depends on what you're printing with. I use mostly, and most everybody uses what's called PLA. Don't make me lie and tell you what that is. It, but it's basically a, um, it's like a, a recyclable plant base or something. So it's not, I actually think it smells pleasant. <laughs> it, well, it does. It, it's actually got a, a, it doesn't bother you at all. But if you're, if you're printing an ABS, which is uh, your, your styrene, your oh yeah, your something butyl styrene, that stuff would knock your socks off. Okay. Oh yeah, that's that's some strong stuff. <laughs> okay, and they got there's actually ways to get around that. There's uh, people are putting machines inside a box that's vented nuts, all that sort of thing, right? But the thing about the I said like might take twelve hours to print like twelve or uh, ten or twelve of these uh, during various HO. If you went from the a 0.2 mil, that's at 0.2 millimeter thickness, okay, layer thickness. Mm-hmm. If you go to 0.1 millimeter, it's going to take 24 hours. You're doubling the the number of layers, right? Well, I, I got off track there. If you do the scanning, you let's say you scan at 0.2 millimeter layers from top to bottom that inch. That means each layer is going to be around 10 thousandths of an inch. No, it's around 10. I think it's around. I'm, I'm I don't want to do math here, but you can imagine one thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 I say you section in the hundred place, and you let's take each of these, and you're looking at it from above, okay? At the very top of the pyramid, you're going to have a little dot. The next layer is going to have a, it's a little square that's so small it's not much bigger than a dot, and you're going to keep it bigger and bigger to the one hundredth layer at the very base is going to be an, a, a, a square picture, okay? You slice where it's one inch square on the base of the pyramid. If you print these off, and you print it on your printer, and you print it off in cardstock. 140-pound cardstock, which is like 10,000 stick. So you print 100 sheets, and you cut them out with scissors, and you glue them all together. There's your 3D printed. Now, the uh, resin kind, thats a, I guess that's a liquid, right, versus a solid one. What, right. What, what that a resin is, basically, you're, there's various ways to harden the plastic. Uh, lab uses a laser and mirrors. Uh, mine's a MSLA, which is Nothing more than a fancy smartphone screen. Okay. okay. And it's, it's, it's a MLSA. It's a masked stereolithography, whatever. Okay. And what that does, you, you're old enough to remember the days when you had negatives. When you had, you had a, you took right. a mm-hmm. camera, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. A masked SLA, what that does, is there's an LCD screen under it. And it, if we were going to print that pyramid, we got those. From that little dot to that big one square, right? Mm-hmm. But what it does is you have a vat with a, a clear bottom. You fill up with this layer. It's a photo. It, it hardens by light, okay? The light hardens the plastic. The light at the bottom of this LCD screen on mine, for example, is the mask means that the only thing that's going to show white is going to be the square itself. Everything else around it is black. So what it does is the uh, it turns on flash off. And it, Length of time is, you know, depends on the on the the brand, okay. But let's say six seconds. It has hardened that one layer that's right sitting right against the plastic, right over the top of the LCD screen. 
And then what it does, it basically, it, it peels it off, lifts it up. The resin flows back down under it. It drops back down in place, except it drops the thickness of that layer, okay? Or raises the thickness of the layer. The next picture, the number 99, which is a slightly smaller square, it hardens that layer. It does that through all 100 layers until your pyramid is printed. Now, are there any other uh, kind of methods for uh, 3D printing? Oh, yes. There's all kinds. There's a Shapeways does some really good stuff. It's, it's called a multi-jet. And the multi-jet process is the same technology. In fact, the patents are the same patents used by inkjet printers. Oh, okay. Instead mm -hmm. of printing ink, it prints a, a layer. It just sprays it, a layer of hot liquid polymer plastic, right? But it's got a second head that sprays wax. And what it does is every place that there's that you want a model part of that section, right? And when I say a section, you're going to say you've got a cab of a low coat. It's going to just be a section as you took a razor saw and went right through the walls, right? You have a little mm -hmm. bit, just a little, uh, a rectangle, you know, however the thickness of the walls are. Where it's not a model, it sprays the wax and it acts as a support, okay? So it does, it builds this whole thing up. It's not just your model. They, are, uh, they stack anything like, depending on the printer, it can be like six by nine by eight inches or something like that. You get this big block of wax. It's got your models and somebody else's models all uh, arranged inside this thing. And they, then they go through a process where they put it in a uh, an oven, which melts the wax. And then they take it out. They put it in this hot ultrasonic oil bath, which removes most of the wax. And then they put it into a detergent ultrasonic bath, which removes the oil. So you imagine that the those are fairly expensive because it's the uh, it's the process of the humans uh, as much as the, uh, the machine time and uh, other stuff. And that's uh, there's there's a thing there's another called uh, uh, where they put a there's a thing basically a, a fancy squeegee it dumped on the on the printing surface a powdered um, uh, nylon and the squeegee comes across and and makes it nice and flat and level and laser beam jabs down and melts the, the pattern of that layer. It, it drops a little bit, looks more powder, another squeegee load, and, and it melts the next layer. That is a fairly good plastic for anything other than it has to have details. Now, you could, for example, using this material, print uh, uh, trucks for your for your, your hobby. Being very similar to Duralyn plastic. It's because it's a powder that's been melted. It has a little texture to it. You could use um, this uh, uh, method where it melts the powdered nylon for basically anything that uh, uh, you would see durling. So you, you can make a, a locomotive frame. And the stuff, stuff is really strong and all that, right? And it will, it will actually take stain It's because it's porous. So it, you know, they, they say, oh, you can't use it for anything like food or something like that because it absorbs, it will absorb the, you know, the oils. But, I've done, uh, I had some uh, uh, bridge shoes, and I'll, I just made a, uh, I'll call it any ink stain, and just looked perfect. I always had mine printed with white plastic. I'm just curious, how much instruction and money will it take for someone if they want to purchase uh, their own uh, 3D printer? You understand that this has already changed. because Right, I understand. It, it's advancing very fast. Okay, there's a there's a thing you talk about cars that said you can get quality, speed, 
I can get cost. You can't. You only get two out of three. And it applies to this too. Also, you you can you can get a a high quality and cheap, but it's not going to be fast. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of you know throwing terms in there. Basically, I'm saying is that you pay, you get what you pay for. The least expensive units. What kind of projects would that be good for? If somebody was like like in what little small detail parts, things that aren't a lot, you know, a huge size. Is that the kind of uh, that might be something that somebody just wanting to get into it might be a good way to start. It depends on what you're wanting to do. The big thing to, to look at is, um, of course, go to reputable reviewer. A lot of the printers, when the moving parts use a, a what they call a linear bearing. You know what that is? That's like a like a ball bearings in a in a, a sleeve. So you mount something on it. It's just long instead of a ball bearing being like you know narrow. narrow it's long. It's it's like you know, 10 times longer than it is diameter. The quality of the of the, of the baroncy is going to add to the expense. That's one sort of thing you're looking at. You can get a, a couple hundred dollars easy to get into a, a, a simple FDM printer. That's your, that's your filament printer. Okay. And what kind of projects would that be good for? I have actually built some fairly complex looking things. Again, you got to tweak for example, I have the aforementioned Jersey barricades. I have actually done some rooftop AC systems. You don't have the detail that you have with a, a, a resin printer. A filament printer is, again, it's like, it, I compare it to a glue gun. You lay down a strip of glue and you lay down a strip of glue and you can build a wall up, right? Mm -hmm. Except it's done in miniature. So you're going to have the lines, you know, the, depending on what your layer is. You're running a 0.4 millimeter nozzle. If you go to a 0.25 millimeter nozzle, of course, it's going to be a, a lot better, but it's going to take, you know, double time. Because you actually, if you get really close, you can see the little layers, which is, you know, makes sense. But if you can print what you're doing flat on the surface, then it's like printing a wall of a building with the brickwork. If you print it, so that's facing straight up. You're not, you're not printing it like, the vertical wall, like you would for a, a, a kit, but you're gonna print that wall flat on the surface so the the bricks facing uh, in the, in the z z axis you're facing up. Then you're not gonna get the you're not gonna get the layer because it's all toward the viewer from above. Can you print a lot of detail items? No. But then what you do is you say, okay, well I don't have to do that. I uh, I printed um, a bunch of. Uh, O-scale sewer systems, which are sewer are, are, are actually drainage systems, which is sewer or storm drains, right? That's the one that's under the manhole cover. Any small texturing or layering, it looks like concrete. Oh, okay. Honestly, it has that little texture that, that makes the angle. You're expecting that anyway. So things like that. You, I actually did some um, AC stuff. I printed them almost like a kit. Their surface is flat. It's not perfect, but if you paint, you weather, it disappears. If you're going to print, if what you're wanting is more like what you get from injection plastic, you have to go resin. Um, now, that um, FTM printer of yours, what does that go for? Mine was around 700 Okay, and the resin printers, what do they usually run about? Mine was 13 I think. I think it was 1300 And you can get a little small FDM printer for, you know, $300, $250, something okay. like that. So it's, it's, a, it's in reach now. I know a few years ago, I know when you first were getting into it, and then I know the prices were higher, but that's definitely expanding. It's kind of like the old uh, 
video game systems and all the, you know, that as, as time goes on, that stuff seems to improve in price. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, Ian was supposed to join us tonight. He's feeling a little underweathered. So uh, he had a question here I want to ask you. He says, what's a learning curve like for someone to take to creating files for 3D printing? How hard is it to learn it? Is there a pretty steep learning curve on it or is it pretty simple? It depends on the person. There's no thing that I pretty much uh, believe in that the the easier it is, the less it can do. Any piece of software, Photoshop, for example, you can get some really simple, you know, I don't know, Microsoft Paint or something. And that's going to be easier to do. But if you want to learn to use Photoshop, you need to actually go to take class. I mean, if people go to junior college classes for that stuff, right? If you ask somebody, their answer will come back, oh, what I use is best, right? It's, it's like the guys, you guys, when you had the Chevy and the Ford and the Dodge, and they were like, oh, the Dodge is better than the Chevy and all that, right? It's what you know and what you get used to. I use SketchUp. I can make SketchUp sit up and bark. I'm a lot better than I was at the start. There's plenty of tutorials for any piece of software these days. you got you got to put the time to study. I was watching this guy that was talking about learning languages. And the answer is there's no easy thing. If you want to learn, you can, but you got to put the time. Mm-hmm. That being said, if I could take somebody, hold them by the hand and say, okay, this is how you start. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to pay attention to. I can sit there and, I don't know, a couple hours have them doing all kinds of stuff. If you've ever done any, any, um, if, for example, you took drafting in high school, all 3D, basically, uh, uh, I say you want, you know, you want a, a, a cube, okay? You draw a cube on SketchUp, for example. I draw, I draw a square. I reach over my, uh, and I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm working. I say in millimeters or inches, whatever. I type in 100 comma 100, enter. Boom! That it's that size. Right. I, 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 I reach over instead of using the, uh, the graphics. I hit P on the keyboard for the pull tool. I grab the center. I pull it up. Let go of the mouse. Type in. Uh, you know, 10 or 100 or whatever, hit enter, and it's, it becomes that size. There, there's all sorts of little things uh, to learn how to, once you use the software, it becomes second nature. When would you choose a 3D print over a scratch-built piece? When would it look at it and say, hey, it'd probably be just as easy to use like cardstock plastic and just do it scratch-built than saying mess it with the 3D printer? If we're talking about like structures, I would use a 3D printer for things that I cannot readily get my hands on. My methodology would be if I'm going to build a, um, a cardstock building, and by the way, it's, it's, I use um, a foam core with cardstock in layered layers mm-hmm. that to build up. And then I, I, if I'm have a window opening, I will make that to fit like a tissue window. So I would use scratch building supplies for that because it's just it's just way much too much time, too much effort, and all that sort of thing. I did 3D print on my FDM printer a base for a pump house. I did. It sits off into the the river and up on the land, and it's got you know various steps. I had steps and uh, undercuts and where the pump shafts came through and all that sort of thing. Well, I I 3D print that because I could design that in SketchUp, which I do by the way. I'll design stuff in my 3D program, my SketchUp. I'll design my 3D structures. I don't print them. I mean, I don't 3D print them. But to make all the mistakes when you're designing something, mm-hmm. and even if you scratch build it, since you're working in three dimensions, 
you know, oh, that piece won't fit there. I, I know this is slightly off. If we have a subject, we're actually following here. In SketchUp, I can sit there and design a, let's say, I got a pump. I, I, I go to um, Google Books and I look at a you know, book published in 1905, of Buildings of American Railroad, something like that. Uh, they got plans in there for buildings that the railroads actually use with dimension. You put that in your SketchUp, okay, and you, let's say you make it full size. Well, you go to print, you can send you in SketchUp, for example. You can say blank size in SketchUp is blank size in the printout. So you can say 12 inches in SketchUp is equal to 0.138 inches in the printout. And book you print out HO exact scale that you can use either to uh, build on top of or whatever. You can say there you're using the, the, the software, but you're actually, you know, scratch building. I did this pump house. I scratch built these little, I'm, I'm on an O scale. It was O scale of. Uh, Valves, you know, the big, the six inch, and, and it was for one eighth inch uh, evergreen tubing, and uh, they look great. It took forever. I mean, you know, to be super detailed and small things. I can print them by the gross, and they're perfect down to the fact they actually have the uh, the bolts on, on the flanges. I know you sell three D printed items. Uh -huh. uh, could you tell our listeners about your three D printing services? I have a store, it's called uh, micromimesis.com. Micro is self-evident. The mimesis is actually a, it's it's Latin or Greek, I can't remember which, but it's, uh, it's the same root word as uh, mime, and it just means a copy. And the reason I started that up was because I was going, you know, show and tell, I'm showing you. Hey, Tom, look at the, the neat closet I made. And you're like, hey, Ed, could you make one of those? But could you mm -hmm. do an HO? I'm going, yeah, I'm doing HO. Let me have a Coke, you know. And I, three quarters of stuff I do is not stuff that I did for me. It was stuff I did for somebody else. You're not a major company that's, uh, you know, I, you're not like a Shapeway, like a mini Shapeways or anything like that. <laughs> I, I, I might be a micro Shapeways, but. Uh, uh, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, no, it's I actually I make enough from it to like pay for some software maybe. There you yeah, go. Something like that. What would be a good website that people could find your uh, 3D printing services if they were interested in seeing what you have available? Micromimesis.com. M-I-C-R-O-M-I-M-E-S-I-S.com. Got a question for you. I know that uh, your layout is not a micro, but you have any micro layout projects in the near future? We're getting ready to roll out our square foot halt station challenge soon and maybe that would be something that would be of interest to you i need to get back into doing stuff like that what exactly is this going to be uh it's it's going to be a the footprint is going to be square foot doesn't have to be a square foot you know baseboard it's uh, total square inches of uh, yeah total square inches of your baseboard uh, staging does not figure into it it's your main display area where the halt station is which is just a you know a flag stop in, in American terminology. Uh, you can make that six inches by 24 inches. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just trying to come up. Yeah, because you got 144 square inches yeah, I mean, it, that you can use. So any way you want to break that up, it's just that the main baseboard uh, footprint needs to be this one square foot. I was looking at a uh, micro. I actually was looking at a, uh, if you go to my, uh, my deepriverrailroad.com, that's my main model blog i have a small area that i was wanting to put in a um, basically a a time saver type thing mm -hmm. the british uh what is it i'm trying to think of the name of it. the british the one with the uh 
the three signings. Oh, an Ingle Nook. Ingle Nook, right? Yeah. I've actually come up with a, a place where I could put an Ingle Nook in my, oh, for my Owen 30, I took out my uh, uh, Coke ovens in order to give me space to do that. I could do something, right? Yeah. There's no way I could do that in Owen 30. I'd have to, uh, it just don't, it's just not the room. I'd have to use something, some kind of a. I'm thinking about giving it a shot in Owen 30 because that's where, like, we had Bob Hughes on last month and. And he, he was the one encouraging everybody to go large on that. We'll see what we can do with that because I have something that I got from my grandfather. It's a it's a non-powered trolley that he had that my mom had given to me when he passed away several years ago. I was thinking about maybe building that, kicking around some ideas at the time. Yeah, I need to. I actually need to do – I've got a little bit of an SBS on my on a couple of my cards. I'm using that term very uh, – uh, multimedia maybe I should use. Yeah, I always call it multimedia. And I, was, I would reference my Deep River Railroad. Uh, I've got a couple of under the structures menu that I show how I did it. Uh, I my favorite material is foam cords. It's like you go to Walmart and buy that. Yep, that's mine too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, what I do is I do a SketchUp and I put when I cut them out, I I make notches like 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 a sort of like the uh, fancy kits where you you notch the sides fit together. You can sit there and do that, and before gluing, it is solid. It notches together. You put a little white glue, and then, for example, if you're doing a love clapboard, because what you do is on your clever model. Oh, I got a, a rant about that too. Um, <laughs> well, no, here's a, a let me real quick. This is a rant. I haven't looked lately for the prices. They should be about the same. It's like a dollar ninety nine for a uh, you buy one texture sheet, okay? And they got everything from Brett to you know clapboard to all kinds of you know siding and everything else. You buy one for two dollars, you can use it forever, make as many copy prints as many copies as you want. And there are people sit there who spend hours online and try to make their up because they're too cheap to pay for two dollars to somebody for a the texture. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> It is well worth the investment. Because it's paper, and because I don't just print out the whole side of the sheet and glue it to the, uh, the stuff. What I do is I print multiple copies. If I'm doing a clapboard, for example, the, the nice thing about the texture sheet is you can take a clever model, and they sell them as a PDF, okay? You can actually import that into a program like Paint Shop Pro, convert it to a JPEG, and then you know work on it, modify it, and cover windows up, and that sort of thing. Or you can purchase the the the, uh, the texture sheet. It's just like clapboard. But what I do is I print out. I put it on a 110 pound cardstock, which is your standard cardstock you buy at Walmart or wherever. And what I do is I cut the clapboards out two boards wide, and then I overlap them. I glue them on, overlapping by one board, which kicks them out the exact thickness in O scale of a clapboard. It's about three quarters of an inch to an inch thick, depending on your, your, your cardstock. The white edge you color with a, a cool gray because you don't see it. It's a shadow. Go to Clever Models website. There's a free on these. Um, uh, uh, they call them freebies on there. His freebies page, he's got an entire little lesson on working with cardstock, right? And there's freebies. And by the way, if it's only an O scale and you model HO, print at 55%. There you go. Yep. yep. Yeah, and the big thing with that is is you can you can go from larger to smaller, but if you try to go smaller to larger, it it doesn't work. It doesn't it, it, doesn't now, reverse that way. I went O scale because I 
in 2010, I guess it was, about the time I started modeling. What started off in HO, but I found out that I liked scratch building so much that I was getting frustrated with the smaller scales. I know that yeah, people, it's, I it's, it's getting to the point where it's getting frustrating for me. It, the, the thing was, it, it's I could do it, but I was wanting detail. I was wanting, if I had a, uh, um, I don't know, flange, I wanted nuts and bolts on it. And this is prior to, you talking about scratch building, this is prior to my, me 3D printing, so... In fact, there was a company called Print Apart before Shapeways. So I was having a scratch belt every time, and I did. Thing was, I need to go to a larger scale to because I tell people I'm not a, a a railroad modeler. I'm a model railroader. I can be happy with just the scenery. The fact that you can make a, a locomotive, you know, run around that's that's cool. The scenery, the structures, and all that kind of stuff, the scratch building and stuff. That, that that's what I like. It's still my favorite. Well, Ed, thanks for being on tonight and uh, talking some about 3D printing and giving a little bit of information about yourself. And I look forward to seeing what you do at the Halt Station Challenge coming up this year. Sure thing.